if what you love is taken away or ends, you feel grief. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Right. Right. Because if you didn't feel grief, then I would say you never loved. Hello and welcome to Self Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Astarte. My guest today is Esther Calaba. She's an art therapist, somatic psychotherapist, known by many as the breathwork lady. Her signature therapeutic offerings combine movement, art, breathing, and meditation, and teach us basic skills and how to be human. She's the founder of The People of the Prana, an organization that specializes in teaching breathing practices to support emotional and mental well-being for everyone. Esther, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I We're going to talk today for the listeners, so just jump right in and not bury the lead. Today, we're going to talk about grief, and mm-hmm. that's a subject that comes up a lot, certainly um, in, in my work with clients, and I'm, I would assume for you as well. But before we get into grief and breath, right, we're going to talk about the two of those. Um, how did you get into this field? Hmm. Uh, the grief, the grief, uh, all of it. Yeah. Into, oh. into your work, doing somatic work and art therapy and, you know, this combination of, of, um, of, of human well-being. Yeah, I mean that's that's um that's a longer story, but I think um I think I I um got into uh, this work uh when my my brother when I was 22 my brother died. And um my brother was actually murdered. I mean, he didn't oh. just die. Um so you know, growing up in kind of a middle class suburban setting, you know, this was not something that I was kind of prepared for or expecting or or just in my frame of consciousness. And so that that event really, really shook me um, on on just so many levels and spiritually and um and so um and it kind of led me down this route of okay, well, what do I do now? You know, what do you do when uh, everything that you have known to be true, your entire foundation for the way that you thought life was and supposed to be? I mean, I was 22 at the time, so I was also, you know, kind of entering the world and kind of, you know, with this curiosity and excitement of somebody just kind of beginning to kind of get to know the world and get to know myself in the world and and my brother dies. And so um and and at that time i mean this was a while ago uh there there wasn't really people there weren't people around me who i could share this experience with in fact often people would just kind of shut down and uh especially you know when i would say well my brother was stabbed and that would be an instant conversation stopper so i i kind of journeyed with this alone for a lot of the time and this is 
pre-internet. This is pre like, you know, the, the, the kind of typing something on Google and, and having some responses. So, um, and, and, you know, and through that, I instinctively kind of knew that, uh, what would help me is to make art. And so, uh, I actually, um, I was thinking of going to medical school and then I got accepted to art school and then I went to art school and, and really, you know, at the, at the base of it was, I, I just need to work with my hands. I need to, uh, you know, um, create. Mm-hmm. something from from this feeling of loss and um and so that's how i you know really firsthand uh learned art therapy because i'm an art therapist mm-hmm. but uh got to go through that that process of of um you know what happens when um w- we start creating in these times of of deep deep grief mm-hmm. and uh what what that became cuz i worked with textiles uh what that actually became was a project where uh for my brother i created a piece uh where i had you know a collection of old clothing very old clothing from people i didn't know uh old linens and and i i cut it up in very small pieces and then i i uh sewed with this technique of machine embroidery uh, new, a new garment, new fabric. It wasn't like a patchwork. It was much more intricate. So the threads were all exposed. And it really was this process of kind of piecing together memories with the holes in between and, and, and the, the way that memory kind of weathers through time. But there are these, these common threads. Mm-hmm. And that, that became a community arts project that I headed, um, about 15 years ago called Collecting Loss where I collected clothing from people who had died from their loved ones. And then I wove them all together in this kind of collective fabric so that people had a place to come together and gather and have their grief recognized. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, um, In a way that you didn't have when yeah. you were going through that grief. Yeah. Beautiful. In a way that I think a lot of people, even today, um, don't have. And uh, I'm a psychotherapist. So, you know, in my practice, you know, I would say, learning, learning grief is one of the, the, the things that most people come to me for whether they know it or not, right? You go to therapy, when there is some sort of ending, or, you know, something has fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. And, and then how did the, the art part of your work, where does, where did the breath come in? Where did somatic work come in? I mean, we can make a a logical leap, but, um, but how did that come to you in your, in your work? I mean, people would listen to the story and say, doing art therapy and being an artist that's enough. <laughs> like that's a lot of good healing right there. So how did breath work come in? Yeah, well, I mean, breath, breath is the foundation. So, um, you know, I, I was working with people, I was working clinically in many different types of settings. And so as a, as a therapist, you know, one of, one of the beautiful parts of this profession is to be able to really be invited into somebody's world 
and in this very intimate way that, you know, a lot of people don't even get entry there, you know? Um, And so, you know, I I always feel like I'm invited into somebody's home and I I get to kind of look around. And um, when you're working, doing art with people, it's almost like you get to know people in another way too, right? Um, through through the images, through the color, but also through their movements, mm-hmm. through how how do I approach a, a a piece of paper? How do I approach a a ball of clay, right? Um, and and it's a very actual, very physical embodied experience to make art right it's yeah. it's not intellectual and if it is intellectual it's you're not doing you know right. it, yeah so so then that just became um a way to transition into movement and and so um like in my studio i would work very big with people so we would have big 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 pieces of paper on the wall mm-hmm. so it was a physical experience encountering the page and moving with the page and and then the breath kind of just came with that right because when you move you breathe right so um you know and this is you know and this is what you know I think as therapists we develop these skills of really being able to listen and to listen to what is not being expressed as well as what is being expressed and in between that there is the space and that's the breath Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you can actually get to know everything about somebody just from listening to their breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and so th- this and then, you know, I, I, I also trained uh, with amazing teachers um, in 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 the Kundalini yoga tradition and then in a healing tradition that is based with the breath. And so, um, you know, I, I came at it in a, in a very, um, how can I say hands on experiential way. So I've been, you know, doing this for 20 years and, and really developing the capacity to listen, right? Which is what the breath teaches you. Because I think, you know, everything we need to know about life and how to live can be taught by our breath if we just choose to listen, you know? Yeah. And there, there is so much there. Um, but I love what you said about them. I mean, again, interesting. It's a, it's a natural connection that I hadn't made until you said it when you're moving and you're breathing and then being able to pay attention to that and what happens. Um, that, you know, sometimes when, when we are talking about something or expressing something that's difficult, we hold our breath. Mm-hmm. And so, to notice that and say, okay, so how is that affecting this person and how do we shift that? It's beautiful. So let's, let's walk it back. Thank you for that ex- explanation. Cause that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Let's walk it back to grief for a second. Um, so just the process of grieving. Mm-hmm. So, and when we, when we encounter clients who are grieving, it's oftentimes unmanageable for them, which may in fact be why they're coming to you as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's unbearable to go through that kind of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've all been through it in one way or another, right? Or many of us have. So one of the questions that I get from clients, and I wonder if you get this too, is why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to grieve? Why can't I just stay busy with work? Why can't I just 
get away from the icky feelings. Mm-hmm. And I, I know what my answer is, but I would love to get your reaction and response to why is the process of grieving important? Mm. Well, um, what I like to ask people, because I, I feel like grief is really misunderstood mm-hmm. for the most part, right? And and there is this um, kind of equation, I think, maybe we've grown up with, maybe it's a cultural thing. I don't know where it comes from, that, you know, grief is bad, or pain is bad, or I need to avoid this. But if we ask ourselves, well, what is actually like, what is grief actually? What does grief show us? What does grief teach us? Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and what does it mean to be grief free? Right. Right. So what does that mean really? Well, when you grieve something, it's usually because you love it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so, um, if what you love, is taken away or ends, you feel grief. Mm -hmm. It's normal. Right. Right. Because if you didn't feel grief, then I would say you never loved. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, and so let's kind of rewind. Right. And, and, you know, if I don't feel my grief, if I don't need to feel grief, then you wonder, well, what is it that, you've ever loved. Mm, mm -hmm, Right. So, so grief is the sister to love. Right. And they come together because, you know, if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody, you know, the one thing that is guaranteed hundred percent is that one of you will leave. That's right. Point that that's what you sign up for every time. You know it from day one. Yeah. You know it from day one. You don't know when it'll be, you don't know how it'll be, but you know that one of you will leave at one point. Mm -hmm. But you you do it anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know, I, I think you know, grief is a part of life if you want to be in love with anything in the world. Hi, it's Rachel here. I know you know me as the host of Self Talk, but did you know I also offer online courses and can work with you one-on-one? Well, now you know. So head over to MySelfPath.com to learn more about how I can help you discover and honor your true self for the betterment of your life and the life we share with all around us. That's MySelfPath, M-Y-S-E-L-F-P-A-T-H.com. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, I read somewhere, probably one of those uh, things on the internet, but it was a nice way to look at it, speaking of what you're saying, that uh, grief is love with nowhere to go. Mm. And, um, and so it's like, what do I, what do I do with this feeling? Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is the unbearable part. Mm-hmm. It's like banging against this cage of your heart and, um, mm-hmm. and then all of going into, into the psychotherapy part of it, you know, going into the mind and causing all sorts of problems, you know, with, 
why what why did this happen and could i have stopped it or what if i had done what was my relationship like with this person um was could i have said something differently or better or whatever so there's all this stuff that's happening there's the emotional there's the mental there's the spiritual as well um so that leads me to the next question which is how do art and breath work help with grieving Mm -hmm. and you might take these separately or you might take them together um because i know they're both effective Mm -hmm. maybe that would be interesting do art then breath then the combo Yeah, I mean that that's what I that's what I do with people but um yeah. I think that the first thing to 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 just mention is that grief um my experience with it is that it's not something that needs to be solved right or fixed right and so um this is often in the therapy model we're we're working with trying to improve things or trying to make it better mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I mean you can't that's it you know, it's just very, very heartbreaking. And, you know, maybe the heart does need to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we can't fix that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's the first thing, you know, um, is that, you know, there's no solution to grief. Right. Um, but rather, if we can see grief as a skill, Mm-hmm. And I, I say this, I say this to to young people I work with, right? Because you know they they often have those um, grievances, right? Why why do I have to go through this? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This sucks, yeah, yeah. This really sucks. And and um, you know what I like to say to them is, well, you know, you're you're 20 now, right? And you're kind of like a baby apprentice in grief. Hmm. Right. But should you be so lucky that in 20 years, 30 years, you could get so good at this Mm -hmm. skill of grieving Mm -hmm. that you could help those who who come after you? Right. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so it's a skill, right? So it's something that we practice. And 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 I think everybody practices in a different way. Yeah. And so coming to the breath, um, you know, like I said, everything you need to know about life is found in each inhale and each exhale. And so let's talk about the exhale. Because mm-hmm. right? a lot of us focus on inhaling yeah. take in life, right? And then there has to be an exhale. There has to be like, like this is, you know, there, there's right. no choice, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how many of us spend time thinking about our final exhale? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, uh, and how many of us have witnessed other people's last exhale? Like, I mean, you know, when you exhale, you literally expire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. So so if you just think in each breath, we have this beautiful way of practicing receiving life, inhale, and then exhale, letting go, right? Mm-hmm. And letting go is also giving, right? So what do we, what do we give back? Mm-hmm. So could grief and the way in which we give to the world be the same thing? Mm-hmm. Right. Because because when you exhale, like even the word we exhale, we sing, you know, um, with our voice. Yeah. So what is it that we give back into the world? 
right? Through, through our breath, through our death, what do we give to the world? What does our life give to the world? You know, then we're talking about, well, what is your legacy, right? What do you leave behind? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the legacy, uh, and this is something I work with, with women in midlife too. It's like, well, why am I here? What am I at the, at middle age? It's when we really start to ask that question, mainly because we are coming to terms with our mortality in a way that we might not have done earlier uh, when we were learning how to be the person that we wanted to be. So now we've done all these things and now we're like, oh, well, why do I not feel fulfilled? Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks to what you're saying is there is a larger uh there's a larger purpose at work besides our own personal development. Mm-hmm. And so our life, uh, being able to have the skill of grieving, being able to have the skill of, of knowing who we are and being who we are in all circumstances and understanding the interconnectedness of all things, uh, not in the woo woo way, but in the quantum physics way, you know, mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So that our legacy becomes the energy that we are creating, right? And then more quantum physics, right? Quantum entanglement. What we put out um, affects everything around us. Mm-hmm. So one's legacy, for example, doesn't have to be a monument or a book or even a bunch of children, right? It could be the energy that we with uh, that we have generated in our life and mm-hmm. in our death then that's that shift perhaps even with this one person that we are has been able to make some kind of a difference and all the people that we encounter that's it yeah that's it i mean like you know you're remembered by the people around you after Mm -hmm. after your death right yeah 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 so that's what they say is you're not you don't really die until no one remembers you anymore you know but even still you've made an impact here yeah. Every interaction that we have with another human being or with any uh, any living being or non-living being, right? Because it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah, it is. And, you know, the, the breath reminds you of this. Again, each inhale, you're inhaling from that which is not you, but keeps you alive. Mm-hmm. You can't hold on to your breath. You can't buy it. You can't grab it. You can't put it in a savings account. You have to let it go. You have to give back. Right, right. To the world. Mm-hmm. And you share the same breath with everybody around you. Mm-hmm. No matter what language you speak, you know, no right. matter, you know, no matter what your religion is. Um, and and you feel this when you breathe with people, you can never feel alone. So true. Like you can't, you can't. And we, the people of the prana started during COVID. Nobody knew each other. I just, I was like, you know, the world is freaking out. I'm not freaking out. I think this breathing stuff works, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let me teach it. Right. Um, And, uh, and so I started teaching online and I was like new to the whole online thing. And we met for like a year and a half. There was this group that formed twice a week and people told me like this is how i got through covid like this mm-hmm. this this um and then we met a year and a half later 
And I mean, we barely would speak to each other. We literally, like I I would turn on the Zoom thing. We would do the meditations in silence mostly, and then maybe chat a little bit. And then that was it. And then we met each other at a retreat. I organized it and everybody was like best friends. It's like they knew each other, you know, and uh, it's really amazing. It's beautiful. It, it is fantastic. And I love that you started that during COVID when when the breath and and oxygen was I, I, in question <laughs> at the very least. And yeah. to be able to turn to our breath, our lungs, our our prana, our the, the kundalini breathing is not was phenomenal for clearing that the, the right passageways for for to avoid or to you know to avoid covid i did some research on it during the during the pandemic and um and i practice kundalini as well it's like oh good so i'm doing the right thing but but the the idea that to turn toward the thing that was causing people pain and illness the breath part um I think also on a on a an energetic level probably helped your your people of the prana a lot because mm-hmm. instead of again we were t- like the same thing with grief I don't like it it doesn't feel good I want to avoid it oh covid's here people can't breathe I better do other things like make sure I you know I'm, I don't even think about it cuz but imagine you know turning in and working with the breath I think something shifts with that too, not just the practice, but the intention of saying, I'm not afraid to face my, my breath, which is really beautiful. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. I have one final question for you. Can I just add? Oh, yeah, please, please, please go. You brought it to the body and, and really, you know, grief, grief, grief and love both live in your heart. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and so when you're talking about this link to breathing, you know, that, that, um, when we work with any breath, we're, we're working with the heart chakra and, 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 um, you know, the, this space here, which, you know, you speak to anybody who's in deep grief, this is where, this is where it hurts. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, like you said before, there's a tendency to want to contract, right? But um, when we face, you know, what we're actually going through and allow ourselves to take a deep breath in and expand and allow, we, we actually make more space for the healing to come in, you know, because the breath is healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. just getting over that initial fear part right or the uh, the avoidant part that i don't want to go into the thing that hurts mm-hmm. i because it's just maybe it'll never stop you know and so yeah i mean i i always say to people you know that this is the proof that you're this is how you show your love today mm. right this is this is your love it's kind of like in reverse it's your love, right? And and you know how many people I've worked with, you know, they come to see me almost to have permission mm. to be allowed to feel sad. Wow. You know, like, is this normal? And I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> is it normal after a year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After yeah. two years? Yeah. 20 yeah. years? 20. Yeah. 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 For yeah. Sure. <laughs> like I, you know, and then I say to people, if you weren't sad. I'd be really worried. Mm-hmm. 
I'd be really worried. And I would think like, you're kind of a psychopath, (laughs) right? right? Because what's the definition of a psychopath is somebody that doesn't feel right. 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 Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, That's such a great point. And, and everything comes back to love, but we forget that something like grief is, is also so connected to, to love. That is a really good reminder. Um, for anyone listening who's grieving right now, um, that's a really helpful, helpful thing to hold on to. So how is breath a teacher? You've referred to that um, in, in your work, that breath is a teacher. How does how do you see breath as a teacher? That's a good question. You know, I, I think all, all of, you know, all of this that we're talking about today, it comes down to relationship. Mm. And, and so how, how do I relate to what, what is, um, you know, how do, how do I relate to who I think I am even, mm-hmm. right? Cause you know, that that's fabricated too. Right. But, yeah. but, um, but you know, how, how do I relate to the breath? And so when I, um, you know, I, I do a daily practice for the last, uh, the last, you know, 20 years and, um, you know, every day it's, I sit down and I'm in a different place and yeah, there's days I don't want to sit down and breathe, but, and there's days that, you know, it comes very easily, but it's, it's always about noticing that relationship. And, um, and this is, you know, this is the relationship to my life. This is the relationship to, you know, we were born with an inhale and we die with an exhale. And then life is just a bunch of inhales and exhales in between. Yeah. Right. And so how, how conscious do we want to be of that? Hmm. Right. How, how, you know, what, what's the level of awareness? Because when you're conscious to your breath um, and not your mind, you know, you, um, you connect to, to life. Right. I mean, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's so simple. There's nothing complicated and it's not intellectual. It's no, no, it's a deeply felt experience. And, um, and it's it's real. It's probably the most real thing that you can ever do in your life. Like I said, you know, there there's these you know very very uh, obvious things that somehow people can spend their whole life without noticing their breath, unless yeah. you know, unless there's an issue, right? Right. Right. Or they're you know ex- expending energy and oh wow I'm breathing hard, but yeah, and and so I can see that it the teaching is really just like any good teacher is not is not doing anything but calling your attention to what is already yeah and and the depth within that so something as simple as breathing um is really a reminder of of our, our cycle our cycle of living and and dying and that we are part of that and that everything around us is part of that yeah 
Yeah, so, it's it's so profound it's teaching. I mean, you know, you could spend your whole life unpacking that, right? Like, and, and right, I know, beauty, yeah. Like, and this is a beauty. I've been doing this so long, but like, you know, every day I I I observe something, you know, something new or, you know, another way. So it's it's not like you know you ever get good at this stuff or you ever figure <laughs> it all out. Right, right. Which is part of the fun. Yes, thankfully, but you know, in. in in, you know, when we're talking about therapy, and I, I do work as a therapist, and, um, you know, the, the link between the breath and anxiety is, 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 you know, this has been clinically studied that the faster you breathe, the more stressed out you are. And it's very simple to understand, because you're not bringing any, any enough oxygen to your brain, right? So, so your body is kind of going, Hey, life is dangerous right now. Like the world is a dangerous place to be. I'm going to be stressed out because I don't have enough food, mm-hmm. right? Like brain right. food. Um, and so, and so you get anxious. And I mean, most people I see in my practice who have anxiety or, or stress are not breathing. So, you know, this is why I started teaching because this is the basis. Mm-hmm. This is the basis of, you know, if you want to take care of your, you know, quote unquote, mental health, it begins there. It's it's the simplest and and the, the, the kind of most practical that everyone can do and doesn't cost anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just do one, you know, find one breath and just practice it every day. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Again, it just brings it back to the simplicity and and the depth at the same time. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a a beautiful way to to end. But before we do, if there if there was something that you wish everybody knew, if you could impart some thought or wish or uh, or message to mm-hmm. humanity in an instant, what would it be? Mm-hmm. We can't do this alone. Mm. Yeah, you can't do this alone. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in, we're in this together. Yeah, whether we like it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with all the the good stuff that comes with that, and all the annoying and everything, it's uh, you know. Yeah, we're all siblings, folks. <laughs> and you know, one more thing: there's always the capacity to make beauty. You know, every situation, there's the capacity to make beauty. And um, one thing I didn't link, but I'll just touch on it really quickly is, you know, the link between art, like when, when you breathe, we say that we breathe in oxygen and prana and prana is the life force energy, which is why, you know, even if you have an oxygen tank, you're not necessarily uh, receiving yeah. prana, right? The life force energy. And this life force energy that's found in each breath, it's found in a lot of things around us, um, is that creative energy of life, that that energy um, that makes artworks, that um, puts, puts things into the world, puts ideas into the world, generates, right? And, um, and so, you know, when we breathe, we connect to that energy that that generative life force energy and the vitality and this is this is the antidote to stress this is the yeah. antidote uh to to a lot of um yeah how, how do i bring more life into the world you know when i am grieving mm. right how do I, how do i become more alive when i'm yeah. grieving yeah yes I, ram das talked about that productive grief versus non-productive grief and mm. and i think you're speaking 
about productive grief? What do I, how can I uh, create something with this without consciously trying to do so? It's, it's a, an internal thing. Yeah. So, so how can people reach you, Esther? How can people reach me? Um, I'm on Instagram, Studio Seed. Uh, I have a website. People can sign up to my mailing list and uh, the people of the prana.com. That's uh, a website that um, for the breathing, breathing techniques and uh, the morning breathing practice that I lead. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have those, uh, those addresses in the show notes so everybody can find you. Uh, thank you so much for being on Self Talk, Esther. Oh, you're welcome, Rachel. Thank you for inviting me. Thank uh-huh.